What Drives You is brought to you by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping life and leadership coaches. Visit Ziggler.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. Yeah. Welcome, Driven Community, and thanks for joining the conversation as always. We all want to live a driven, inspired, and peaceful life, and together we're learning to drive further and enjoy the ride. This is What Drives You, and I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this episode, we continue our series on interdependence, and we're back with Thomas Hubel, this time to understand what drives him personally as he walks out interdependence in his own life and world. Thomas, again, is a renowned as a teacher, an author, a facilitator who seeks to integrate core insights from the wisdom of the ages with the discoveries of science. And I love that combination. He's worked internationally to help individuals, organizations, and even countries heal from their collective trauma. He's currently a visiting scholar at the Weiss Institute at Harvard University. And our muse for this series is his new book. It's called Attuned, Practicing interdependence to heal our trauma and our world. You can find the book, of course, on Amazon, and you can connect with Thomas at Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S, Hubel, and the American uh, pronunciation or spelling of that, or the English uh, uh, spelling is H-U-E-B-L.com, though as you see it out there on the book and whatever, you'll see H-U-B-L, and you can understand it that way. But Thomas, Thank you for being with us as we talk about interdependence and trauma. It's obviously significant as you share that you're speaking to us right now from Israel and all that's going on there in the country and in your own family. It's uh, significant. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. Um, Thank you, Kevin. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Ah, I am too. Well, and as we look at this, it is a, you know, what drives you in these significant areas of life. And the first one, not to make it necessarily uh, most important, though that's uh, something we can all debate, but is spiritual. It's the spiritual category of life. And looking at in that as you interact with your life, your world, your faith, your beliefs today, tell me what's driving you spiritually. Yeah, that's a a big one, because I think for me it is the most important. And um, maybe I look, I give you a, a short run through my spiritual life um, or biography. Like I had, I was growing up in uh, outside of Vienna in a small village close to Vienna, and um, and it, also as a child when I. When I went to church, because it's a Catholic, Austria is mainly Catholic or secular country, but um, so when I grew up, we still went through, went through the whole Catholic education also, and and somehow I I never really connected to the church, at least where I was living. And this is not the general statement; this was just my experience. Um, I didn't. I find it. I found it cold. I didn't find it really connected. It was it came across a bit heavy for me, and um, but I always felt drawn to God, and to the deeper nature of what the teachings spoke about. That always fascinated me, but the kind of the environment didn't fully connect to me, and so. But I was as a child already. I remember often in the evening I was praying for myself 
and there was like a connection. And when I was mm -hmm. 19, I had a very strong pull, although I, at that time I didn't read any books about spirituality or meditation. I, I had this feeling I need to be quiet every day and go deeply inside. And uh, I did that every day. Uh, and later on, through my studies and through my, um, uh, then I started to read books and uh, I came across multiple different disciplines and uh, religions and I deepened myself into meditation practices. Mm -hmm. And when I was 26, I actually, speaking of science and wisdom traditions, I, I I took the decision to leave my medical studies behind and to go on to kind of a, I didn't know it's going to be for a year, but on a meditation retreat. And it was actually four years. And, um, and that time was deeply, deeply meaningful and also deeply transformational. And, um, it wasn't always easy also because I struggled to leave medicine because I, I really loved medicine. But um, I felt a pull. It was so strong that it kind of pulled me. I felt I need to go inside, I need to be quiet, and I need to study in a different way. That was very clear to me. And also, when I look back through these four years, I see like there was like a constant inner guidance, like something made me go from one step to the next in my meditation practice. Yeah, and um, so that really pulled me. There was a strong pull when you when you talk about what drives you. That spiritual drive was very strong, or is very strong still, because that's my that's the core of everything that I do. And um, and and there is a deep devotion. I'm very committed to that. That's something that is very essential for me. And um, and I think it deeply informs my work, it deeply informs my healing work, it deeply informs how I look at human rights, how I look at uh, what's happening right now in the world. So, yeah. So, and then, and then my work is like, then when I came out of this four years, so um, my work started that people started inviting me to uh, do workshops. And then I started with workshops and then, I felt that every, and I saw, I don't know, at least over 100,000 people in through workshops or one-on-one -on -one sessions or more, even now with all the big online classes. And we, and I think every, every meeting teaches me more. Every one-on-one -on -one session, every workshop, I always learn something new. And so it, it made me, bow down to be like a student of life and to keep learning and to keep deepening what opened up for me in these four years. And um, yeah, so that's that's something deeply that's right. Yeah, thank you. I, I want to ask, I mean, on this topic of interdependence and maybe I'll use the word merge even, merge to how you bring, as you know, we often, if you go into medicine, if you go into science, it's usually at the forsaking spirituality often, you know, statistically, how do you look at your, again, my, my mind said merging of those, but I guess you could take it into the word, those being interdependent. Yeah. For me, like for me, when I speak about spirituality, 
like the deep essence is like a mystical essence. And from seen from that mystical essence, science and spirituality are not two. They are one expression. They have different practices and they have different ways of knowing and different experimentation. But eventually for me, and we see it more and more, we see it in the trauma science, we see it in neuroscience, we see it in quantum mechanics, that what wisdom tradition or in epigenetics with intergenerational trauma. So what wisdom texts were speaking about for thousands of years, you know, some of the scientific revelations come very close to that understanding. And I think we just need to have spaces where instead of creating an anti-movement towards the other side, we create a, a dialoguing space where we have creative or creatively critical conversations and to find a common ground. And I find that in many contexts, there is a great common ground that we can find. And um, I think actually that for the issues, the challenges of our time, these two, they are not two, but these two voices that are at the moment in the world actually have to have that dialogue because that's a very fruitful dialogue to solve some of our world issues. Yes, I, uh, the new in America, the, the president of the American Psychological Association, Dr. Tama Bryant, is, is, do, is doing a lot to bring spirituality into therapy, uh, kind of on what you're saying. It's such a foundation, it's a core of humanity to not address that within therapy seems to be lacking. And I hear you, I feel you saying the same thing about science and, and, and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And I also see in many people that are healing from trauma that, like, on the one hand, spirituality can become a bypass. For some people, it's a, it's a route not to take responsibility for their wounds and their issues in life and the difficulties in the world. But I think mainly if it's being implemented in the right way, then spirituality, meditation, mindfulness, uh, belief in a healthy form is a great resource to heal. And we know this, there are studies that say community and relationship and faith are, are two of the major resources to create community resilience in big challenges. And I think that, yeah, so yeah. Well, as you speak to community and, you know, so much of the focus, of, of course, of your book of Attuned is, uh, is interdependence in regards to relationships. That's our next category, Thomas, is relationships. When you look at your relationships with others, whether they're family, friends, the community, tell me what is, what is driving you there? Yeah, what drives me is, and I mean... Given what I do most of my time, yeah, I'm relating to people all the time. I mean, all my classes, all my you know interactions with people are about relating. So for me, like a felt sense, an attuned sense of relating is what drives me. Because every time I'm with somebody and I'm really there, I'm really present, I'm attuned, in the mutual space, something arises, and that's not just in 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 um, in workshops. That's also in daily life with friends or family. 
like when we are really coming together, there's always something new that is being born. There's always some new insight. There's always some new understanding. There's some depth. There's some quality in the relationship. So I find, and for me, this also became a deep practice that relating and attunement, I think, are the ways, I often call it, that's how we learn from the book of life itself. So for me, also in, in many times when I'm sitting at the airport or when I'm, uh, I don't know, when I'm in between things, that that practice of attunement is for me a very important part. When I land somewhere in a country, I tune in with the land, with the place, with the people. I'm, for me, that's a way to be dialed in or connected, to be connected to the specificity of a place, of a population, of a culture. And um, and so that's what, what really drives me. And another part that really drives me is like a deep honesty in the relationship that we can speak about what really matters and that, that we speak about beyond the masks, like about when the vulnerability of our being can meet really. And uh, that's, uh, that is what I find a great value in relating. Let me ask, as you talk about coming into new places, new environments, new circumstances, just as you as you can as you come into other people to attune, are there specific practices that you do? Obviously, you can put yourself in that place and say, "Okay, I, I am making a proactive effort to be aware and to attune." Are there some actual practices? And I and I'll share my bias on asking the question that I realize that when I go to a new place, I often, I, I run, I'm a runner, so I love to run. And I, I do that a lot though, just to give me a sense of the context of the place that I'm in and even to view the people and to see the comings and goings, it helps me. That's a way. And so I was thinking about that as you talked and wondered if there are any tactile ways that you practice or that you allow yourself, help yourself to attune. Mm. First of all, I also love running. So running is a great way, actually, also if you come to new places to get into the land, the landscape, and the quality. I love that too. That's, that's for example, one. And um, and through my meditation practice, I simply learned, first of all, for me, roots are important. So like being dialed into the quality of a, of a place. So let's say I land in New York or I land in Buenos Aires, or I land like in different places. Every place has a different quality. And of course, all of it is the planet, but every part of the planet has its specific flavor, has its specific quality. And so when I land, for example, in a place, or I come to a place, I always let my body touch that quality of the land, and the roots of it, this kind of the atmosphere of a place, because it's the closest to describe it. It's like resonating, like a tuning fork, and you you attune to a tune. And not every every place plays the same music. So I I do that, and then I also attune to the specific. For me, every culture has kind of a almost like a a being, or a collective quality that that culture creates every moment together. 
all the millions of people together. So when I travel to China, that has a certain quality. When I travel to the US, it has a certain quality. When I travel to Dubai, it has a certain quality. And so I connect myself to the land, and when I feel it's like a login, when I when I feel my body logs into that place, then I also connect to the to the quality of the culture. So I'm more dialed into the cultural specificity, quality, refinement that that culture expresses, like the the uniqueness of that culture, and that helps me very much when I when I work with people. It's 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 very much related to that attuned quality. Even if they are individuals within that culture, it helps me. It's like as if, okay, you listen to jazz, and within jazz, you listen to a specific song. song. And, but it's different than when you're dialed into hard rock. Mm-hmm. And so I'm tuning into jazz, which is the cultural space, and then I'm tuning into a specific person within that space. But it's not jarring because it, it's another... It's another completely genre of music. And that's a little bit a, a comparison, maybe. Yeah. And and I believe that all our nervous systems, at least that's how I experience it, is that my nervous system is like a tuning fork. And when I and my my nervous system can be more precisely attuned also to these bigger cultural spaces and then to a person and then to the person's topic that the person brings. And so it becomes more and more specific. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous, and I got introduced to Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond Bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family-owned since 1935, and I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra-rich, smooth taste, and right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled-in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash Kevin. 
you all know I greatly value and pursue my health and wellness, and I'm always looking for better products and resources. Nutritional supplements are a staple for me, and a must is a probiotic to support my gut health and function. A probiotic is something I've taken each and every day for the long-term cumulative benefits. Seed is a company that makes a symbiotic, which is actually a unique mix of probiotics and prebiotics. Probiotics are beneficial bacteria and prebiotics are food for these bacteria. So Seed's symbiotic containing both helps balance my gut bacteria. So together, the Seed DS01 symbiotic benefits my gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. Taking seeds, DSO-1 symbiotic, and avoiding the foods I know my body is sensitive to has taken me from constant digestive problems to almost none. I trust seeds clinical trials and breakthrough research that's been published in top scientific journals. You can entrust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash drive and use code 25DRIVE to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash drive, code 25DRIVE. Also to these bigger cultural spaces and then to a person and then to the person's topic that the person brings. And so it becomes more and more specific. I appreciate you saying the nervous system. I see more and more content just about that, the health, the desire to pursue and to have a regulated nervous system of my own, but in you also speaking to understanding the person across from you and what are they, where are they and tuning into that is such a piece of this interconnectedness, which I'll bring that word out connecting. That's at the core of what we're talking about, what you talk about in your book of relationships, connecting to the people, to the place as a thank you on that. The next category here, it's an interesting as we talk about tuning in is health and wellness and what drives you in the health and wellness. And but to what you just said, I, I feel like we often look at ourselves uh, as a, a body. We want to look a certain way or feel a certain way, possibly with our health and wellness, and we're not really tuned in to ourselves. So it's a great way to come into this question. But I'll ask what drives you uh, in your health and wellness. I know you run, uh, so you can start there. Yeah. No, I love, I love sports too, so uh, especially running or... Mm. Like, um, like for me, running is also kind of a meditation. It becomes a rhythm. It becomes an attuned space with the environment. So it's it's beautiful, and it's uh, and I think especially for me because I also in what I do, I often sit somewhere in groups or on planes, or so I need to move. So I feel movement is important. I'm also for me already when I was the first day I left my home, my parents' home, and I had my own apartment. Uh, I, I I stopped eating meat. So I, since um, I was 19 years old, I'm a vegetarian. And for me, that's also part of my health. Uh, so to look for organic foods, to look for, like to be mindful about what we eat and what we don't eat, how it's being produced, and, and also to be dialed into production chains and uh, and see that the quality of food that we 
eat also has an effect on our body and that we need to be also attuned to not only if we eat vegetarian food or meat, that's uh, everybody's choice, but within that, there is also a choice to be mindful of, of how that's being produced. And I think there are, there are more soulful ways and there are less soulful ways or less honest ways or more painful ways. And I think that's also in the food chain. Um, for me, meditation, of course, as I already said, but for me, meditation is an essential part of health. Like, because it's, and, and also how we train also in our courses, because when we work on trauma, we actually, we work on trauma through very somatic based approaches and the body becomes like the inner exploration of the body becomes the, the instrument to attune to another person. So if I don't feel myself well, yeah, right. I can't feel you really. Uh, but if I'm, if I'm, if my body is, is a has an inner landscape that I explored, and we can explore, of course, the nervous system and stress levels, as you said, to learn to regulate ourselves. But then, when we go deeper into resolving certain issues that are living in our bodies and minds and psyches, and by the way, I don't see the psyche or even mental health as a mental process only. Mental health always has a a, a ground like an a pendant, like a reference in the body, which means the the mental health is not just in my mind. Mental health is a state in my body. There is something in my body that produces this kind of symptoms, also that we often call psychological. And and when we when we explore our bodies more, I believe we are exploring millions of years of evolution. This is a very refined biocomputer. And so developing a process how to scan that biocomputer from inside. And that goes then also into a deeper health practice to explore my you know my organs, how they communicate, how there's a flow in, in the body where there's stagnation, there's tension, there's stress, there's disconnect, there's absence in the body. And so for me, my own practice over 30-some years of meditation is also my contribution to my own health. And it's also me, it's like when you play the violin, every time you go on stage and play the violin, you you tune your violin. You don't go and play, even if you're a great player, you need a violin that is well-tuned or a piano. And um, And I think having a great connection to our body is like we activate, I often say we activate our inner doctor and your inner uh, MD. And so that can, and that doesn't do everything, of course, because there are so many factors that contribute to our health, including genetic predispositions, ancestral trauma, and many things. But, uh, and also relationships. I think living healthy relationships and, and clarifying relationships and being generous in relationships, being honest, transparent, vulnerable, creates a, a social environment that we live in. So if I put a lot of toxicity into my social environment and I don't care about people, I just look for my own benefit and I'm not honest, then I will inhale or swim in that kind of quality. 
And that will have a negative impact on my health. That's why I often say the social environment is our extended immune system. And so for me, one part of health for in my life is also looking how can I clarify stuff in my relationships to other people. And if there is a tension, if there is something that shows up, to be mindful about and invest time to resolve it or to go deeper with it and look what's what's happening there. Because the more it's open, I think we can be more open and we can strive more. So for me, relating, being more attuned, and also I feel very... Um, passionate about the work that I do, and and I think the purpose, like that energy or being energized by my purpose, is also a health factor that gives me meaning, that gives me like a, a sense of connectedness, and uh, yeah, and that I'm very passionate over thirty years to explore my own inner landscape, my own traumatizations, my own cultural traumatizations. So, and working on that inner stuff, I think also is something we all can contribute to our health, which doesn't mean, as I, I want to say this again, because sometimes also in spiritual circles, people often say, oh, when somebody gets sick, oh, I did something wrong, or I, 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 it's my fault because I didn't live a life that is good and aligned and clean and open. But it's not, that's a big trap for many people because it's, it puts us in a place that we can control everything or I cannot. So I think the humility to say, I'll do my best. I will contribute to my life what I can do. And I'm also part of a bigger life that I cannot control and I need to bow down to that fact that life is has its own dynamics also. I mean your work on you know trauma, obviously mental health is the primary category there, mental health of ourselves as individuals, of our of our cultures and whatnot. And when you started off right there, you said, when I can't feel myself, I can't feel you and I still feel this is an overlapping topic that hap that comes uh, to the show a, a lot. That we still look at our health and wellness, our, our mental health, as this. We look to so many external factors uh, that we try to uh, address and don't come in and do that internal work. And and we know this. I mean, it's this is not new. <laughs> And yet we, I'm saying we, me too, I'm amazed at how I have to be brought back to it continually because my eyes look out. They don't tend to look in and that is my construct. And yet, I, you know, so I hear you when I can't feel myself, I can't feel you. If I can't tune in, if I can't be attuned to myself, I can't be attuned to you. And I think people hear that. Everybody listening right now, they hear that. And yet I think when it comes down to it, they still struggle to sit and even understand how to do that. How can I look at, look internally? Uh, where's your, where, if we're talking 101 here on this, I mean, we know we talk about meditation, but even that it's, I've never heard meditation talked about more than I have today in today's world. And yet to find somebody who says, I really, I checked in, I've gotten attuned to it. That's, that's still, uh, 
that's still, we're still struggling to do that, to sit down and go, how do I attune to myself? If, and I know that's a big question. It's probably an unfair question, but if you were to give, Hey, step one, if, if nothing else, if nothing else, I would say, start here to, to check in with yourself, start here. What would it be, Thomas? Yeah, that's beautiful because I think that's a very powerful question because first of all, when we don't feel ourselves, there is always a good reason for it. Hmm. We could say, I don't feel myself, or we could say, in a certain time of my life, I managed to tune down or turn off a certain awareness of my body, my emotions, my inner world, because that was better for me than with it. When we look at trauma, we always want to look, trauma is not a stigma. When some, when some of us as children got hurt or had difficult childhoods, turning some of that pain off was better for us than keeping it on. It's like when something is so overwhelming, shutting it down, to stay true to our development and to stay aligned with our development is better for us than to keep that noise going. Because so good, so good survival tactic then. A good survival tactic. And now when somebody comes and says, oh, I want to meditate, and, and then we come to our body, and then we say, okay, for example, the first step would be, first of all, just notice when you close your eyes what you notice. When you don't notice anything, that's what you notice. That's not nothing. I notice that right away I don't feel much. There's not. There's nothing. And then I might feel, no, when I look a bit closer, maybe I feel a bit of my body. Maybe I feel my hands. Maybe I feel my feet on the ground. I see. I feel my, I feel my chair underneath. So I, f I feel a few sensations. So that's the beginning. For other people, a good place would be to say, okay, connect to your breath. And just feel how you're breathing. And then after some time, when you connect to your breath and you just feel how your chest's moving, how your diaphragm's moving, like how you're breathing air, you feel airflow, you connect to your breath. And then let's say, let's slow down a bit the way we exhale. So every time you exhale, you do it a bit slower, a bit longer, and do it again, then you might think, see that maybe some thoughts pull you away and you start thinking about the emails that you didn't write and you bring yourself back. And, yeah. and like this, because when we slow down our breathing, we are reducing a bit of our stress level. And when the stress level comes down, the reflection capacity, when we relax, we can feel more. When we are stressed, we are more focused on action fight, flight, like we are, the more the stress goes up, our focus becomes more narrow. When we relax, our focus becomes more open. It's like when you sit with a cup of tea and you're thinking about your life, you're already in a bit of a different state. You're more open, there's more space. I have more space to even think about my life. While when I'm in it, I'm just running from one thing to the next, have thousands of things to do. And when I relax, when I slow down my breathing a bit, and then I feel, okay, where do I feel my body right now? I come back to my body, and then my mind's active, and, and I don't deal with the active mind. But 
what happens often when people start that process is, oh, I don't feel much, so I can't do it. And I would say, no, you just become aware that you don't feel much. You, you can do it because you did it right now. You can say, oh, I don't feel much. That's what you feel. And, and that when we don't feel ourselves and then we think, oh, everybody else can feel their body well, but only me, I can't do it. And then when I ask in my groups, and there are often hundreds of people, and then I say, okay, who knows the same thing? And then 100 or 200 people raise their, their hand. And then I say, okay, you see, we often think, oh, it's only with me like this, but it's not. We are sitting in a collective story here. We, humanity went through a collective story, and we are not so unique in our patterns and in our stuff. And what we think, oh, if other people just would know that, often in my groups, yeah, when people know that, you find 100 other people that were hiding the same thing also until one person dares to say it. And, and then we say, oh, whatever I find, there is nothing that I cannot do like this is different in the spiritual practice it's not like running a marathon you can train and then maybe you can do it or you cannot do it. you can say okay i failed i didn't do it but in the spiritual practice or in the inner awareness practice everything that happens is what happens so when it's hard for me to feel myself that is the thing we are looking for. We are not looking for what is after or behind that. We are looking just for being with oneself. And when at the beginning I say, yeah, when I sit down, I'm just thinking and I don't feel much. Yes, that means you are meditating and you notice that your stress makes you think a lot. That's okay. Maybe you don't feel even stressed because all you feel is your mind racing. But that's that's a symptom of a lot of stress in the body that has been numbed maybe. And then that's the beginning of I witness my internal process. But many people go to the meditation with an idea how it should be. And then they are frustrated that the idea and the reality don't match. And then they say, oh, I can't do it. I leave it all together. Yeah. And then they say, no, 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 no. Wisdom is like it's like a good wine. It's growing with aging. And and um, it's not happening for most of the people it's not happening in a second. So if that's what I feel, yes, I stay with it. And then I reconnect to my breath. I slow it down and I feel the movement of my breath. And slowly I begin to feel, oh, maybe there's tension in my hip. Maybe there is some tingling in my hands. Maybe there is I feel the breath. And slowly my inner body landscape can show up because I'm, I am with myself. And some people, that there are many people that I met when in the way they grew up in their homes, they didn't get the feeling of how it really feels that somebody is really with them. Right. And, and so they also cannot be with themselves. But that's okay, because that's what I begin to recognize. And if I don't pathologize it, if I say everything I find is a part of me, and it's there for a good reason. We all, as children, tried to do the best in the given ecosystem. Right. And once I know that, then there is no, I can't, there's nobody that cannot meditate. There are, there are many people that are very stressed, and that's why it 
feeling that stress is very uncomfortable or stopping the meditation feels easier than staying and connecting. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to take about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and air doctor is just the best. Air doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So my book and this podcast are named What Drives You. And what drives us, the great things, is our own values, our known values. When we go astray, it's because we've lost sight of our values. Therapy is key for helping you clarify what matters most to you so you can do more of it. I was late to taking advantage of therapy. It was only for crisis, but now myself and most of the rock stars I have on my show get therapy regularly. For most people, the main hurdle is starting therapy. I recommend you try BetterHelp. It's entirely online. It's flexible. It's suited to your schedule. And trying it doesn't involve an afternoon of your time and all the hassle. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapist anytime, no additional charge. You can learn to make time for what is most valuable to you. So visit BetterHelp.com slash what drives you today. You get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash what drives you. There are are many people that are very stressed and that's why feeling that stress is very uncomfortable or stopping the meditation feels easier than staying and connecting. You use the term a couple times of slowing it down and that's not a popular call out to our culture. Mm -hmm. We want to go faster. We want more convenience. We want things to happen quicker. I'm, I'm admittedly, I'm not going to paint it all bad. I am concerned about AI just in relation to any technology of it allows us to do anything quicker. Anything I hear that is going to allow us to do something quicker to me means we're just going to speed up that much faster. We're going to put more in. And as you talk, and as I tune in, uh, get attuned even to you and to your pace. And it reminds me again. And, and for context, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, I'm sitting here in my father's office, his studio, while he is on the other side of the wall in his last days, if not hours. And I've been two weeks here 
with him, uh, with my family. And it just does not lend itself to a frantic pace. It does not lend itself to speed or to distraction even. It, it, it really has us enraptured in this slowed down time of awareness. And we can't get away from the tuning of looking in and he's in his bed uh, in some ways waiting to die. And it, and it is, it, it almost makes the speed feel abrasive. And how can I take that forward? Cause I don't want to go back to a frantic life. I don't see the value. I don't see the fruit in the frantic life. Even in meditation, I've seen different apps and platforms and, I, and I, I'm, I'm grateful for any out there. I'm not uh, dissing them. I appreciate their efforts, but when you're trying to fit in a meditation in one minute, I feel like we were, we just kind of highlighted the problem. Didn't we? Um, we've got to slow it down. We can't do this amongst a frantic life. And I, I, I say that Thomas to people and I, and they're hearing it and I understand the demands of it. I have, now they're all not, not all at home now, but I've, I've got nine kids. I, I've got a big home. I've got land uh, to keep up with. I've got a business. And I, I feel like, I, again, I don't want to dis, I don't want to minimize anybody's circumstances. You're in Israel right now. You have every reason to be frantic to some degree, to be overwhelmed, to be stressed, as you said. You have those reasons. And yet, actually, that's a great, that's a great muse right there, Thomas. You're, you're there right now. You have every reason not to have space, not to slow down. And yet I think I would hear you say, no, you probably have every reason to slow down. Yes? Absolutely. Exactly. Especially as you said, and you said it yourself because you're also in such a moment. And when you say it, I can also feel it. And I think that's what we call regulation. If in the right moments, we can be at the right pace and when you need to be with your family and your father you need that slowness it's a sacred time i think it's a very important time and i can also feel from you when you speak about your father the situation that you are in and that i have enough space to feel you is also part of regulation so mm. and that and i am in a worse situation and and my commitment is to stay regulated for me to be able to hold a space for people that get hurt or got mm -hmm. hurt or being hurt or collectively being hurt. So I think what you said is super important and, and I agree. That's why I often say exactly what you said. When trauma and technology marry, that's an unhealthy marriage. And when our regulated healthy self uses technology in a regulated way, it's amazing. But often that's not happening and then kids get addicted to screens. We ADHD is on the high rise. There are so many things or many mental health, what we call mental health issues are rising because the speed of data is accelerating as we speak. Yeah. And we all need to channel that speed of data through our bodies and our nervous systems by being part of this world. But when the, the, the train, the, it's like you're in a car and the car is constantly accelerating and you don't feel the acceleration. You just sometimes look at the um, look at your speed and you see that you're 50 miles an hour faster. And I think that's what's happening through technology. 
And I think that's why we also see more and more polarization. That's why we see more and more democracy struggle. That's why, because that speed of life is pushing on the trauma that cannot channel it. So more and more stuff is coming up, which on the one hand we could say is necessary to heal. But if our the dysregulated parts of us marry technology, I think that's where we need to really look and be aware. Because in my regulated self, if there is a regulated relationship between parents and children, then the use of technology will be regulated. And children learn what's great and what's too much. But if parents are missing, like they're constantly absent or there's a lot of stress in the house, so technology becomes the go-to friend. And then I think it begins that addictive patterns start to happen. And there we need to be really aware. And so I loved what you said because I think also culturally, or even when we talk about climate change, there is an urgency and there is trauma stress. The urgency is real. We have to act. We have to globally come together and do something about it. But the trauma stress is actually not healthy and needs a slowing down for us to become more effective. Yeah. And I think the same is also in business. I think many businesses express the collective stress that everybody brings to the business. And then the extraction of natural resources, including employee health, is is built into an extractive mode, which is trauma stress. Because in our regulated self, we know how to deal with resources. But in our dysregulated self, we don't. We don't feel ourselves properly. We want too much. It's too fast. It's too, and then things are happening. So I very much agree with you. And I think for you to be a role model to take time and slow down in these moments in your life, I think is very touching. Thank you. It's definitely a, hmm. it's given it's given, it will be giving me, a, it has and will be a different attunement going forward. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's life-changing. Um, yes. yes. You mentioned in looking at work, uh, Thomas, career, business, vocation. And you mentioned earlier the purpose that you find in what you do. I actually want to relate it to and so you've spoken to that, to what drives you, you know, in, in your work, you've spoken to that, uh, to a good degree. As you look at your work in trauma, I want to ask you where you find the value of purpose amongst that, amongst those who are, who feel a purpose in their life, in their work, in their, in their overall being, and they're attuned to the world through their purpose, how that enables them, I'll ask, to better withstand trauma? Is that a fair question? Mm. Yeah, for me, I think it was, it started already, it was interesting, when I was 16 years old, even before I finished my high school, I signed up for the, to to become a paramedic at the Red Cross. Yeah. And um, and then I was 
nine years working for most of the time as a volunteer uh, for the Red Cross as a paramedic, a trained paramedics, and I saw a lot of stuff. I mean, I saw every walk of life, every level of society, every issue, every kind of what you can say trauma reason. And, um, and, and I felt at that time already, I, I spent so much time doing this and I didn't get any money for it. There was nothing, there's not that I, you know, the nothing. So it wasn't, it wasn't about that, but I felt that it, it comes from somewhere deep within, it fulfilled me. And I, you know, it's like, I want, I want to ask that. Yeah. Do you look back now and see any specific catalyst that you can point to and go, maybe that's why I was drawn to it? Was there something in your life, something you experienced, or, or are you unsure? Yeah. I felt, first of all, I was always drawn towards medicine. I felt this already very on in early on in my life. I was very drawn to healing. I was always looking, okay, what's actually our nature? what's 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 helpful and at that time emergency medicine felt to me very interesting i was very into this and and i and i felt also now when i look back i feel how much i've learned about life from this hands-on work because it's real hands-on work you have with everything you see er everything in life as a paramedic because you come into the craziest situations and into the most mundane and normalcy, like it's everything. And and it needs to be present on the spot, there, grounded. Uh, and and I learned so much from people that I saw over these nine years and the situations and how people deal with life or death, with very strong trauma, health crisis, I mean, all, you name it. And... And um, and then later on, when I understood, when I learned more more about trauma, and um, so I thought, wow, what is cool that was for me? Like, what a training that was for me. So my purpose, my giving, actually, I received something back. It wasn't money, but I I learned a lot in my be because I did it hands on. Like it's not something that you read in a book. I was there many many hours and doing it, and. And somehow I embodied something through this time, like a deep learning and a love for, for society, for life. And um, and I'm saying this because already in that at that time I felt that being in what some people call difficult environments is not difficult for me. It wasn't difficult. I maybe it touched me emotionally, and maybe I felt emotionally affected by. But it wasn't difficult. And then when I started, when I did the work and we did lots of workshops on the Holocaust past and we brought together Jewish descendants of Holocaust survivors, sometimes even Holocaust survivors and Nazi descendants and uh, or people from Germany or Austria, we, I felt we were going to some of the deepest atrocities, like, like the uh, deepest atrocities of humanity. And while I was there, I I didn't feel anything like like it's, I don't want to be there. The opposite, I learned so much from being there. 
And we, we, it was very painful stuff that came up where people could say, listen, this is too heavy for me. This is too much for me. I don't want to hear all of this stuff. And, um, and so I learned that in my soul or in my being, like being in those moments is actually accelerating my learning and my understanding of what it means to be a human being in all its yeah. beauty and its depth and its cruelty and its um, darkness. And and so over the years, that now it's more than 20 years that I'm doing this in different parts of the world. And, um, and I feel every time I'm there, it feels like everything of me is there. There's nothing that wants to be anywhere else. It's not that I say, oh, it's so heavy. Why don't I go to run? Or why don't I do something else? It's heavy sometimes, but it's not that it's it's hard or difficult. It feels like this is my purpose. This like to be in the collective healing and to reveal more and more aspects of it. It's not that I know everything about it. I'm learning all the time. But every time something reveals itself, it's like a constant revelation. And um, and it feels deeply meaningful. And when I, it's very rare that I walk out of such a situation and it feels like it's it's heavy on me. And like I walk away and it's I feel like, okay, something a chapter can be closed and it's that's how far we got and and let's continue and if there is something that sticks so then i'm i need to explore that i need to explore what that in myself that needs to be seen deeper um yeah so it sounds like flow exactly exactly that's how i experience flow in those moments it's like everything's there that's the one way to describe it. And that I feel that I'm deeply interested. It's always fresh. It's not repetitive. Even if I gave so many workshops already, mm-hmm. it's it's never old. I'm never saying the same thing. Even if I teach often similar things, for me, it doesn't feel like it's the same thing. It's fresh. And that's, yeah, that's what fulfills me. I, I find that in the concept of purpose, I continually, somewhat su- surprised, I, I think sometimes come back to just the aspect of curiosity, that thing that you have a, a, a voracious curiosity for, mm-hmm. a never-ending curiosity for. I think I look at my own life sometimes and go, I don't know why I have this insatiable curiosity for topics such as these, you know, personal development and, and whatnot, but I do. And I, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful to wake mm-hmm. up with that to have that and i i am burdened by those who don't which is which is why we're here which is why we're here to help them be attuned uh to their lives uh thomas thank you thank you for um just your own candor and your heart uh is a joy and a gift to tune in with you and uh and folks i do want to bring you again to his to this book it is something to talk about a a place to start with some of these topics of meditation and of tuning in that's what the book uh, is for it's again it's called attuned practicing interdependence to heal our trauma and our world of course you can find the book anywhere and then check in further with thomas and everything he's got going on at thomas t-h-o-m-a-s and then the website is spelled Hubel, H-U-E, 
bl.com. Uh, Thomas, I'm just grateful to have the time and have the teaching. It, it's you're helping, you're you're tuning me in, uh, mm. like that, like that violin. I want to walk out of this room better tuned in, so that I can play a better tune for those that I love. Um, That's beautiful. You. It's beautiful. And one thing maybe that we didn't talk about that, but I I would love Please. to also say is Please. that I think one of the deepest learnings. And also fulfillment for me is also my 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 family, uh, my daughter and my wife. I think in because we talked before about mother, outer relationships, but the family, and what I've learned as a father about also about human development is amazing, and yeah. uh, and the deep fulfillment of relating to my wife and my daughter. I think are very is a very important part of my own evolution, my own growth, but also like the steps of relating. Yeah. And um, yeah, I want to to bring this in to complete a bit the the picture, so that there is yeah. a, it's a deep part of my life. Yes, I will. I appreciate that. I'm drawn to that now again as I'm in with my parents, my brother, my sister in an intimate time, maybe more so than ever. And it's brought me back. I think I have had the tendency, and maybe others do too, to discount family, uh, especially with the wealth, thank goodness, of other friendships and relationships. And yet uh, it's hard for me, harder even now to, to deny there's something special about that about that blood family. Um, thank you. Thank you for taking the time away from your family. And as you're in Israel right now, for this, I will. I'm honored to take this message to others and bless them uh, with your message of attunement. Uh, Thomas, thank you. Thanks for, thank thank this, you, is a gift. this is a gift. Yeah. And be blessed with ah. the family situation. Yeah. Yeah. Most Americans at New Year's are thinking about improving their health and losing some weight. In regards to eating, the feeling is generally it's going to cost more money, more stress and effort, and you got to eat bland food. Well, a solution to all these is HelloFresh. Uh, HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You skip trips to the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's literally number one meal kit. You can make saving time a viable resolution with quick, convenient recipes. They're delivered right to you. You just choose your meals and select your delivery date. And HelloFresh handles the meal planning and shopping. So you just open your weekly box of pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step -step recipes. And you're cooking quickly with ease and joy. My family loves HelloFresh. We just open the box, follow the recipes, and have something new and interesting and good for us. It's become one of our family's favorite activities together. So go to HelloFresh.com slash drivefree. And use code DRIVE FREE for free breakfast for life. You get one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash DRIVE FREE with code DRIVE FREE. HelloFresh, it's America's number one meal kit.